0: Welcome, brave listeners, to another Frightening Tale. Please visit me at FrighteningTales.com for more scary stories. Or, if you've written your own, please submit it for a future performance. Today's story, The Man by the Tree, as written by Gunnar Ladd. Four months ago, a leisurely walk through the local woods set my life on a new course. As an avid walker, I thought that I'd seen everything there was to see in this greenery. I had been coming to this place since I was born. My father frequented the woods, explaining that it was his way of calming his mind. Twenty-two years later, I continue this habit of my father's. He has since been put into a retirement home. His mind fractured into its own world. I still try to remain close with him, despite myself and everyone from this world being absent from the new reality that his mind resides in. Walking these woods, it helps me feel connected to my father, It was still something that we shared, even if those times were in the past. It was something that I had planned on doing with my own children. Throughout our times walking these woods, we took multiple paths. We saw each and every nook and cranny of this place that I adored. Or so I thought. On that day, four months ago... I discovered an area of this green wonderland that I was shocked to notice that I had never seen before. This section of the woods seemed to have been airdropped in straight from the sky. It hadn't been here the last time I took this route. I could have sworn it. I had just walked the route three days ago, that wasn't enough time to landscape this whole new area with a a little hill and trees that I hadn't seen before. I probably would have noticed this new area regardless, but what grabbed my attention was the mumbling. I had gone out that night without my earbuds wanting to just take in the sounds of the crickets, the birds and the other critters going about their nightly routines. Off to my left, my ears picked up on an unfamiliar sound. The mumbling was a noise that wasn't native to this area, so I turned my head to it. I only noticed the new section of the woods in retrospect. What my eyes immediately caught was the tree. I'm no arborist, but I know that this type of tree wasn't one that was found in these woods. A dark, thick trunk twisted upwards, sitting shorter than the surrounding trees, but its presence felt towering. Nonetheless, its limbs protruded outward like the mangled arms of some slim figure who had taken one too many steps towards the edge of a cliff. I shivered at the sight of it, The brooding ambience that the tree created didn't belong there, amongst the warm colors of the foliage that had given me comfort for so many years. At the base of the twisting trunk knelt the source of the mumbling, a man. The man wore a hoodie, joggers and trainers, typical attire for a jogger. It wouldn't have looked out of place if he hadn't been kneeling by the tree. Everyone stayed on the trails unless they had well, to clean up after their dog, and with no dog to be seen, this stuck out like a sore thumb, even without the mumbling. The mumbling was incomprehensible at first, but his face gave me some context. His slightly weathered face, clean-shaven, was wearing a smile. His body shook a little with his smile, indicating laughter. I had no clue what could be so funny about a tree. Maybe he was on drugs. Whatever it was, I didn't stick around to find out. The whole way home, and all of that night, I just couldn't shake the image of the man and the tree that he had knelt by. It was so out of place, so ominous and contrasted so drastically with what I knew to be the pleasant atmosphere of the woods that it felt like a whole new world had opened up in that small sector. Was it a one-time thing, or would it be there the next day? I was too curious, I had to find out. The next day, I returned to the woods. The whole walk I kept my head on a swivel, trying to see if there were any new sections that had popped up. As far as I could tell, everything was as I had remembered it over the last 22 years. The same trees, bushes, signs, paths, and everything else that he had grown to know except the tree and the man kneeling in front of it. The man by the tree was wearing the same attire as yesterday, but his face looked slightly different. Slight dips of wrinkles in his skin had appeared seemingly overnight. His hair, both on his head and face, had grown longer as well. It wasn't a huge change, but it was significant enough that it should not have been able to happen overnight. The mumbling continued as it had yesterday. The smile remained throughout his talking again. He appeared to be laughing, as if talking to an old friend. Drugs these days are so crazy. This guy's on a whole other planet. I thought. A moment later, another thought crossed my mind. What if it wasn't drugs? What if there was actually someone? Or something that he was talking to? Before I could think any better, my feet started off of the path and towards this new area. I didn't really have a plan at first, I was simply drawn in. As I labored to not snap any sticks or step on any crunchy leaves, I decided that I wasn't going to approach the man. I still wasn't sure if he was on drugs causing this strange scene that I had witnessed these past two days, so I had no clue what I could expect if I approached him. I flanked off to my left, which brought me out to the back of him. I was about 40 yards away, keeping a safe distance to avoid detection. I ducked behind a tree, one much more vibrant than the one that had caught my attention the day prior. Looking towards the kneeling man, I squinted my eyes, trying to narrow my gaze to the center of focus. My eyes locked on to the man and the tree behind him. What I saw was just that, a man and a tree, a normal man and a seemingly normal tree. That I decided that the culprit was in fact drugs. I returned to the trail with a smile on my face, finding solace in this conclusion. I continued on my walk without sparing another thought for the man by the tree my walk took the same course for the following months this new area of the woods became commonplace in my routine slowly integrating into my ingrained vision of what the woods looked like the man by the tree was there every day in the same outfit i paid him little attention after that second day just adding him to the scenery that was until the day he wasn't kneeling. On that day, I saw out of the corner of my eye that the man was not in his normal position. He was face down. I broke off on my course and hustled up to the tree. I shook the man to no response, desperate to make sure the man was okay. I rolled him over. What I saw was not the same man that I had seen on the first day when the tree came into my view. His face was decrepit, riddled with wrinkles and wiry grey and white hairs. His smile was absent, replaced by a ghoulish frown, even in death. I looked up to the sky, taking a moment to breathe and taking the fact that I had just discovered a dead body. A tear fell from my eyes as my gaze fell. Before it could fall back on the man, my eyes leveled with the tree. At first, it seemed to just be the same as I had seen on that second day from a distance. Something made me look closer and holding my stare on the tree. That was when I heard the whispers. Not from the body that I had just rolled over, but from the tree itself. The whispers were telling me to come closer and to gaze into the trunk. I couldn't resist the whispers. They had a certain tonality to them that demanded obedience. The trunk started moving, the gray and dark brown colors morphing together in an ovular shape. What appeared to me wasn't a face, but a foreign shape And my attention was drawn, forcing me to my knees. I sat there listening to the whispers as they promised me good fortune and a positive future if I just simply continued to listen to its message. What seemed like only a few minutes but was surely a few hours passed and my trance was broken i came straight back to my apartment to write this account i will go on my walk the same as every day but i know that tomorrow's walk will include a detour to that tree to listen to the whispers once more i hope that someone finds this account of my experiences so that someone can stop me from sharing the same horrid fate as the man by the tree. Thus, brave listeners, <laughs> you've been listening to "The Man by the Tree," written by Gunnar Låd. Since we still have a bit of time's blessing, let's dive into one more tale. This one is called "The White Woman," written by Francis Hogg Lockow. Anthony hefted his equipment bag to his shoulder and watched the lights on the elevator panel tick upward. When the doors opened, he saw her at the end of the hall. She wore a long black coat and held a shopping bag in one arm as she fitted the key into her lock. He was struck by two things. Her abundance of platinum white hair that fell past her slender hips, and the pure white Afghan hound that waited patiently at her side. He was pleased to see that the new tenant was a woman, and he wondered if she was single. He'd broken off with Ashley a month ago, after she'd become too demanding, always asking for favors. He was ready for a new romantic challenge, but he wasn't Pleased about the dog, the pair of dachshund that had lived in apartment 606 had been an irritating, yappy nuisance. Antony entered his apartment, removed his winter coat, and put his heavy bags on the floor. He'd have a glass of wine before dealing with them. He'd walk into his kitchen to get the half bottle of Sauvignon Blanc from his glass-faced wine cellar. He retrieved a goblet from the cupboard above the sink and glanced through the window across the spacious air shaft into the kitchen window of apartment 606. A white-haired young woman was there, busy putting things away. It was the first time he'd seen her face, and he was pleased with it. Her skin was nearly as white as her hair which fell from a center part. She had a pointed chin and almond-shaped eyes. If he had been choosing a model for a fashion shoot, he would probably would have rejected her. Her eyes were too small, her mouth too narrow, but there was something compelling about her. She was exotically beautiful. He could imagine using her in a commercial shoot perhaps posing with her monstrously silky dog. Could he convince her to model for him? He smiled. Thank God, women are vain. He poured himself a glass and returned to the entryway, where he began unpacking his bags. He stored his lights on the shelves, put his lenses into their individual cases, and carried his Canon SD Mark III to his work table. While most photographers use digital equipment now, for his fashion work at least, Antony preferred cellulose acetate for its spectral and tonal sensitivity. He'd shot ten rolls of 35mm, with one still left in the camera. He checked the readout. Two shots left. He considered just clicking off to the end of the roll but thought about the white-faced woman he took the camera back into his kitchen window she was still there washing dishes anthony rested his camera on the sill and waited for the best chance click click he took his camera and the rest of his bottle of wine into his dark room where he prepared his negatives when they were hanging from the drying line he filled the developing tanks and Water baths. One by one, he placed the negatives in the enlarger, adjusted the filter and the focus, and set the timers for proper exposure. He'd spent several hours developing the shots and had finished the bottle of wine before he reached the final two photographs of his neighbor. In the first tank, a picture formed of the brick frame of the window containing the woman's bowed head and in the second photo, her face was visible. Anthony examined it with his loop. It was hard to tell if she'd noticed him stealing her image. He hung the photographs to dry. Those pale eyes fascinated him. He was more intent than ever to find some way to photograph her. The next morning, he bustled out of his apartment with his camera and portfolio on his way to meet a prospective client. In the foyer, he nearly collided with the white woman as she entered through the revolving door with her great dog. Hello, he said, extending his hand. Apartment 601. I'm your neighbor, Anthony Ferrier. She looked at him with the most amazing eyes. A blue so pale they were almost white. Mr. Ferrier, she said without returning his gesture please do not photograph me thank you and she walked nearly gliding across the floor into the elevator with her hound for the rest of the day Anthony could not get the image of her ice-like eyes out of his head they intoxicated him mesmerized him He knew that her unusual milk-white face could sell a thousand products. He must find a way to convince her to be his model. He must find the key to seducing her. He'd hurried home after his appointment and went immediately into his darkroom. He pulled the last two photographs from their clips. Astonished, he sat on his stool The last two sheets were completely blank. How could that have happened? Antony couldn't imagine any scenario where such a thing could even occur. If he'd failed to fix the images, perhaps, but he hadn't. The images were perfectly visible last night. He crumpled the sheets and threw them in the trash. He tried to distract himself by watching a movie, but the white woman's voice, her, her walk, her haunting pale eyes, they kept interrupting his concentration. That evening, he spent an hour standing in the darkness in his kitchen, sipping wine and staring at her empty window, hoping to catch a glimpse of her. He slept fitfully and awoke with a headache in the morning he determined to go to the lobby about the same time as he'd encountered her the day before perhaps he could learn her name perhaps they could discuss her preposterous aversion to being photographed maybe he could invite her to his place for drinks show her his talent and convince her to change her mind he could offer to help her in some way he could get her to like him and break through her cold barrier he didn't find her in the lobby but saw her in the park across the boulevard walking her elegant dog her long white hair fell loose over her black coat anthony ducked into the coffee shop in the lobby bought two coffees and dashed across the street he walked quickly behind her calling miss she turned He extended a coffee it is miss isn't it he asked she didn't answer but stared at the beverage he offered it'll take the chill off he said i don't drink coffee she said and he detected a foreign trace in her voice the fashion models he photographed often came from places like russia romania and hungary but he couldn't recognize her accent he realized that she could even be Asian, perhaps an albino, who knew? Whatever it was, her strangeness made her even more enticing to him. I'm a professional photographer, he said. I know. You said you don't like to be photographed, but miss, I, I must say, you are the loveliest thing I have, I have ever seen. You could have a great future so i've been told many times by many photographers but i have no interest excuse me please and she tugged gently on the dog's leash anthony watched her turn and walk away he suddenly felt warmth on his fingers without realizing it he had gripped the cardboard cup so tightly that the coffee had spilled up through the plastic covers over the course of days his obsession grew he set up his camera in the kitchen window and sat in the dark hoping to capture her but only caught images of her hair he followed her through the park with a telephoto lens but she never turned around he went so far as to contemplate setting secret cameras in a variety of places he tried making additional prints from his original negatives But time and time again, the photographs failed, each worse than the next. It was as if the negatives were dissolving with each effort. She seemed aware of his fixation and acted as if she were fearful of him. She hung a pair of yellow curtains in her kitchen window and kept them closed. Antony began to beg off photographic assignments and spent entire days sitting on a cold park bench, his camera aimed at the revolving doors of his building. Then one morning she saw him, waiting for her. Angrily she strode toward him across the boulevard. Her white eyes were blazing, the December wind blowing her white hair across her face. He was so entranced and surprised that He forgot to raise his camera. Mr. Ferrier, she said, I demand that you stop trying to photograph me. You have no right. The ferocity in her voice unnerved him at first, but his frustration took over and he responded angrily. I don't know what the law is where you come from miss, but this is the United States and I have a right to take photographs in public places. He raised his camera and click, click, stole her visage. She looked horrified, stared at his camera, and then turned and hurried back across the street and through the revolving doors of their apartment building. He paced around for a long time, muttering to himself, planning arguments in his head to make her see things his way forgetting for the moment what he held in his camera. Then he raced across the street to his apartment. He went directly into his dark room, opened the camera, and put his fingers into the well to release the film roll. It was sticky with some substance. He turned on the lights and examined the camera. It was as if the film itself had melted into tar. The camera was destroyed. He threw it to the floor. He didn't know how she had done it, but somehow she was thwarting him. She was standing in the way of his artistic achievement. She was standing in the way of her own success. Together they could make millions. She had the look and he had the talent for God's sakes. All she had to do was listen to him, if he could only explain himself to her. He decided he must talk to her, but first he needed to cool down. He opened another bottle and down a glass, or two, and then he collected his courage, took another glass from the shelf, and walked into the hall to her door. I know it's you. "'Mr. Farrier,' she said in answer to his knock. "'Please go away. "'I just want to talk to you. "'I want to apologize.' He held the wine and glasses up to the peephole so that she could see them. "'I'm not even carrying a camera.' She opened the door a crack and looked him up and down with those astonishing eyes. Then she let him in and gestured toward her couch. Declining his offer of wine, she sat in the chair opposite him. In the corner, her dog eyed him warily. Antony filled his glass again while he tried to figure out how to bring up the situation of his ruined camera without sounding like an idiot. It was impossible that she could have disintegrated the film in his camera simply by... Looking into the lens, how could she destroy negatives and prints in his darkroom by simply thinking about them? He suddenly felt foolish. "'I want to apologize for the way I've acted in the park,' he said. She responded stiffly. "'I must say, Mr. Ferrier, I find your insistence dismaying and offensive. Where I come from, we respect a person's privacy.' I didn't mean to upset you, I only meant to explain that in the United States an expectation of privacy doesn't extend to public places. I have the right to photograph you whenever I want. Whenever you are in the street or in the park." Her light eyes seemed to grow darker. But I want you to stop. He wanted more than ever to capture her new angry eyes. His excitement almost felt sexual. The wine made him feel cocky. He growled. You can't stop me. If you don't want your picture taken, you're going to have to start wearing a mask. He watched with amazement as her white eyes turned purple. Her cheeks began to move in a strange way. It was as if dozens of tiny fingers moved beneath her skin, searching for a way to escape. He wondered if he were hallucinating. But Mr. Farrier, she said in a voice deep and boggy, I am already wearing a mask. And then she took it off. You've been listening to The White Woman, written by Francis Hogg-Lockow, presented by Master Storyteller Mark Wilhelm. I hope you've enjoyed this frightening tale, and if you should find yourself in possession of a frightening tale of your own that you'd like to share, please submit it through FrighteningTales.com for a future episode. Only submit stories you own the rights to, to do otherwise is just evil. Do tune in again for another scary moment, if you're brave enough. Until next time.